0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Happy, happy love day. $20 billion will be flushed down the toilet today to express your love. 30% of that $20 billion will be spent on flowers that will be dead by the end of the week. Just saying, we're not the best shoppers in the world when we let love get in the way. Love is a fire, but whether it's going to warm your heart or burn down your house, you can never tell. So said Joan Crawford. I'm going to put together some basic ideas on love and marriage today. I think you can handle the love part, but are you fiscally fit for each other and not physically fit like strength, but fiscally like monetary operation Isle style getting hitched without getting fleeced. I got all these ideas for you. First and foremost, when you fall in love with someone, here's the story. Everyone asks, what's the story about how you two met? Come on. Tell us the story. And this is my line, because it, it, it makes everyone's, like, heart melt. They woo, they, they cry. Men go, that's good, that's good. I go, it wasn't love at first sight. It took five minutes. Oh, no? Okay, I'll try again later. Hey, baby, it wasn't love at first sight with you. It took, if you don't know what to put on your card today, guys, steal that line. So whatever your sugar booger's name is, Veronica. And then you are right. Veronica. And then you write my line, it wasn't love at first sight. It took five minutes. Love. And then whatever your name is, if your name's Steve, you put Steve. So but before you get to that point of telling your sugar booger, you got to figure out who your sugar booger is. Falling in love fiscally. We all know your hormones can do what you need to do. So you got the physical side of it down. But I'm going to say fiscally. So some of my first questions are, have you ever been in jail? Have you ever killed a man? How many teeth do you have? And then after I get the requisite questions out, I ask, are you a saver or a spender? And the best way to get the real answer is to change that question. Whoops, curveball. Houston Astros saw that one coming. It's to change the question to, what type of, what type of, of, what were your parents? Were they savers or spenders? And then you can throw in a sly line just to get them to talk. You can go, my dad was a spender. My mom was a saver. And then you start talking about money. And that's how you can start fiscally working together is talking about mom and dad. Did you grow up poor? Did you grow up wealthy? Uh, Did you know what money was? Did your parents? I know someone who's never been on a plane before because her dad was afraid to fly. I think that's an important piece of information to know. So she never went on vacations. She did staycations, right? I know you understand. saying, why is that important to know? I don't know. But talk about your parents and then talk about credit cards. Do you have credit card debt? Do you have bill debt? Um, have you ever bounced a check before? And you can like woo this and Like you can get some sake tonight. Boy, this is for the people who are falling in love and who are going on a first date, uh, a blind date, maybe a tender date you slip in some questions over like a sake bomb and you go, have you ever bounced a check? And when, after they've had like one or two drinks, they, they're going to be honest with you probably. So find out if they are check bouncers, find out if they have credit cards decline, find out if they've had maxed out credit cards. You can do this in like a truth or dare style thing. Truth or dare. And I can't, you know, like do a dare, do a dare. You, she's going to ask me to kiss her and then go truth. <laughs> Drop that one on them. Find out if there's any hot buttons on money. I don't think I have any hot buttons on money. I do say, oh, here's a good question. If we have babies, and you do this after five minutes to freak them out, if and when we have babies, and I'm not saying if, like, okay, when we have babies, do we want to pay for their college? Do we want to give them a big inheritance? Those are important questions. Next thing, after you get through that that fiscally fit checklist thing, like, are you even kind of compatible? It's like, what sort of couple do you want to be? One of my uh, financial planner friends, he doesn't want to be married, but he's on a a vacation right now in the pictures are awesome. And his girlfriend, uh, maybe future wife, maybe not. He doesn't like those labels don't like necessarily piss him off or, or turn him on and her too. And she's a uh, she's in a law firm, so they're having high income years and they're enjoying the world. Will it all change back in the nineties and eighties when I was dating before I even thought about marriage, you had to do some weird things, like I said, you get tested h uh, p v would be good aids was good like and you had like before you'd like go ahead. Here there's proof. A doctor said I don't have bad blood in me. But I think you kinda of have that same idea with you know, getting married and then settling down and being all about money. Um, but before you even start getting married, start thinking about dating costs. Dating costs are pretty big. They can they can get kind of crazy. So money can't buy love, in theory. I'm not taking over to the, I'm the doctor love money, baby. I'm not doing that show today. But there are also like lifestyle wars. I remember numerous times falling in love with my uh, life. and I'm not a, I'm not a super big fishy fish fan. Sushi's fine, but when you start getting the bones and the skin and the eyeballs and stuff, you kind of start to lose me. And I almost like to tell that person on like the first date or second day, like, um i don't i don't have to do afghani food like i don't i, I don't if i have to eat with my hands like i i'm okay I, i'm not saying mcdonald's i'll work with you i'll meet you somewhere in between but i kind of like getting some of my peculiarities out just so they're down one of the things i loved about college was you could fall in love with very with very, very cheap dates you didn't have the money to go to a broadway show you didn't have the money to go to a 200 hundred dollar dinner you didn't have the money for a hundred dollar bottle of wine. So it was like a two-bottle two bottle Chuck. Two-buck Chuck it was like your, hey, baby, I brought some wine over. And uh, pen and paper. Cheap dates are good. Cheap dates are some of the most memorable dates you'll have. One of my best cheap dates ever was uh, walking in the rain. She was dog-sitting. And uh, back in Virginia, was really a, they have super warm summers. And when it rains, it's like warm summer rain. It's not like, burr, it's cold. Let's get out of the rain. It's like, kind of like nice. So we want to a walk with the dog, and halfway through, it starts raining, and we don't have an umbrella, so we get all wet, and you know, we'd stop and look at each other every five minutes in the walk. And that's all I'm going to say. Cheap, right? Very, very, very memorable. I remember when I was six, I went to a movie theater with Daphne Sparks. What a name. If anyone knows where Daphne Sparks ended up, she had four older sisters. I had four older brothers. One of my brothers wanted to date one of her sisters. So guess what they did? They They planned a... a Crap-ass, bogus date for the two of us. I thought it was for real. But we went to see Sinbad the Sailor. And it had kind of like this claymation stuff in it. Um, see? Cheap date, right? It was a matinee. It was a Saturday matinee. So it's probably like two bucks each. Anyway, I'm Rob Black talking money and love and Valentine's Day. And um, love is a wonderful thing. So... It does uh, many wonderful things in my life, right? Love is telling someone their hair extensions are showing. Love is saying, hey, you want me to shave that hair off your back? What is love to you? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves, weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or kdow.biz. Dr. G, money, love. Guys, girls, this song is a sad song. It's about a woman loving a man but realizing that they don't, aren't right for each other and she has to let him go or he has to let her go it's misinterpreted it's really not a love song it's a breakup song so tonight guys and ladies practice your i will always love you originally written by dolly Parton, 20 years before whitney houston sang it remember whitney crack is whack so sing this to your your loved one tonight if you if you if you want this to be your last night of love and please tell him dr love G money. Rob Black gave you this advice, and uh, any women in the breakup that want to send pictures to Rob, that's fine too. I will take those. Send pictures. Oh, when I was breaking up. Speaking of breaking up, there was one girl I was breaking up with. I would to write her notes in class. I go, I love you, and it's getting worse. She goes, I want to break up with you, and I go, you call it madness. But I call it love. Yes, love is not always the easiest thing. It's not always smooth and beautiful. So I think when we last left off, we were talking about dating costs money, and I think if you spend a lot in your initial dating phase, there may be some expectations on that. So psychologically prepare yourself, and you don't want to get into like like I said, lifestyle wars. Lifestyle wars could be. My mom, for instance, on Sunday, she used to like she'd cook a big lunch like at two o'clock, and that was it. So for dinner, like she was done kitchen was closed, and so you had to go get your own stuff. If my dad grew up like Sunday night dinner, my daddy grew up with Sunday night dinner. There'd be a clash, right? Same thing with money. I'm okay, you know, saying I don't need thirty pairs of jeans. I don't need a new spring wardrobe. I don't need. I don't have a spring order, but I don't have a summer order. But I don't have a winter order. Like I'm okay with that. I think a a fun date is, and it's a cheap date is a good date. Money saved is money earned, right? So it says Ben Franklin is let's write down 10, 10 fun, sexy dates. And you kind of spend the night drinking a couple glasses of wine and writing about 10 dates you want to have in the future. So you can come up with the cheapest one. Wedding tests. I think this is super important. I hate Vera Wang. I know you're saying Rob Black hates Vera Wang. Yes, Rob Black hates Vera Wang. Isn't she a a dress designer and does like wedding dresses and and, uh, Oscar party dresses? Yes, Vera Wang. Yes, that Vera Wang. I hate Vera Wang. I, I, I think when you get into the, if you ever cross into the world of business and finance and you cross that with a Google search of wedding costs, you too would hate Vera Wang. And it's really funny because like the person you're marrying is going to be beautiful regardless in your eyes. You don't really need a dress from like the 16th century to, to highlight how beautiful she is. What's a wedding train all about? And what's wrong with you people watching royal weddings in the first place? They're basically a bunch of cousins married to each other. No, no, no. They've got a better bloodline than that. Well, they used to be. So the wedding day issue, the caterer, the guest, the dress, the Vera Wang dress, the table settings, the Vera Wang table settings, it gets to be quite obnoxious. And I think that probably the biggest stressful day for a couple is sometimes their wedding. And throwing that on your mom and dad is just so old-fashioned and silly. So I, my personal opinion, Rob Black endorses um, running away. I, I would prefer a, a, a destination wedding for just you, your spouse, and maybe two other people. Um, the old elopement of Vegas, it's not great, but it's a good story. Um, I'm not a Vegas kind of guy myself. But keeping the cost down it starts the whole marriage on the right foot. Because 30 days after, and you fed bad chicken and bad shrimp cocktails to people. Cause a couple of people got food sick. They were gambling on how long the wedding was going to last while you didn't know it. 30 minutes, 30 days later, you're like, this is a bill. And it's a big bill. So you don't want to spin yourself into the poor house when you get married. There is, I think, a glory of eloping for a guy who's done two weddings in his life, and hopefully I'm done forever. Um, first one was just, I rushed to it. I I was like, Whoa. Um how did I this is a like I rushed into it. Marriage lasted under a year. I'm glad I didn't spend a lot of money on the wedding. I would have been bitter. In the end I was probably bitter for about six months and I got over it. We just weren't right for each other. It was a good thing there was no kids involved, right? But the whole idea of ever getting one divorce was like, I don't want I want to be married to one person forever. Now leading up to that I could date twenty people, who cares? But there's no sanctity for me per se. Anyhow, glory of eloping. Uh Now, your wedding registry is a funny one, too. I think when you get to that, cut your guests to break. Don't put a spork on it. Some of the stuff that I see people get people for weddings are gravy boats, gravy trains, gravy spoons. First couple years of marriage, let them them use a teaspoon or a tablespoon for gravy, okay? It's not going to kill them. Get them a nice stock investment instead of a gravy train. Buy him a bond if you could instead of a spork. I bought a friend a spork once because it was on her, on her wedding list. And I was just like, it's kind of that curse you moment. Um, I can't say the word, but blank you. She had a silver spork. A spork is half spoon, half fork. Who eats with a spork? I think you like pulled turkey meat off of a turkey breast, which you cook once a year. I don't know. So try to get some sanity in wedding registries, please. If you ask for stuff, make it more practical, like cash. Cash money, cold cash money. I'm always for it. Now, before you get to the wedding, here are the deal breakers for me. Um, I'll show you mine if you show me yours, and it's the old credit report. Inside a credit report, you're looking for... Uh, defaulted bills, student loans. You're looking for how much debt they have. You'll see chapter 7, chapter 11, bankruptcies. are like, honey, I've been dating you for five years and you never brought up that you went bankrupt. Oh, did I forget to tell you that? And you see their nose grow. Yes, you forgot to tell me that. I thought I told you about it once. I'm a real boy. (laughs) So you got to watch out for that kind of stuff. Um, I, I, I go as far as, I think you should do background checks. I think you should do medical exams with each other. Find out that a person has the HIV, the HIV. I, I think if you can get three years of tax returns from your, your loved one before you get married, it's all a great idea. Criminal record. If you have a friend who works for the police, run it and just go, Haha, I have a friend, you know, my friend Larry, he's a cop. Uh, I had him run your police record. <laughs> up a guy once. <laughs> I'm kidding about doing background checks unless that's what your heart tells you and if you've had a one bad marriage do the background checks I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing and more happy love day it's 14th of well happy love day don't spend too much money want the podcast with music Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. You guys know what wall spackle is? Sometimes when you're patching paint, you put some wall spackle in it, and then you paint over it, and after it dries, and it looks nice and smooth. Watching Seal growing up, I always wanted to put spackle into that, those pock marks in his face. And then I learned their tribal markings, and I'm like, oh, I'm such a jerk. We didn't have the internet back then. We were like, what's up with that? Anyhow, Seal. Kiss of the Rose? Who names their kid Seal? Are you having very low expectations? Are your kid like, oh, he looks kind of fat, and he's wobbling around? Let's call him Seal. Let's change the topic to two of my favorite billionaires, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. Now, they do Berkshire Hathaway, and I, I like Charlie Munger enormously, but he's tough on the eyes. He's over 75, probably 80. He's got one big eye, one small eye. He's got a weird hunch. He's got a crooked finger. He's kind of like, looks like that great great grandfather that tries to kiss the great granddaughter, and the great granddaughter passes out. Great investor. But I want to talk about his business partner, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett likes to use Valentine's Day to show you a very, very valuable business lesson. Sees candies. Now, if you know me, you know that I like chocolate and I like boxes of chocolate because life is like a box of chocolate. Never know what you're gonna get. But Warren Buffett says that people associate romance with boxes of chocolates. And because of that C's candies can price them based on their emotional value versus their production cost. And do you think you have a little bit of that going on with your Apple phone and your Apple AirPods and your Apple, Do you think you have a little bit of that going on with some of the things in your life where you're like, I'm going to, it means so much to me. I just have to have it. It's comforting. And like if, if you get a girl a, and a, I shouldn't say a girl cause girls can get girls. If someone buys their loved one, a diamond, there's a difference between a jewelry store diamond and a Tiffany diamond, a blue box. I wanted to get in the industry of selling blue boxes, but I figured Tiffany would sell me, would sue me. So Berkshire owns Seize Candies, doesn't have to worry about rivals undercutting and stealing customers. Ultimately, is because people don't want to opt for cheaper candy in their relationship. It's that emotional value. If you go to your wife or girlfriend on Valentine's Day, this is. This is old man Warren Buffett talking. He sounds like this. If you go to your wife or your girlfriend on Valentine's Day, I hope they're the same person and say, Here's a box of candy, honey. I took the low bid. Buffett told shareholders in 2017, It loses a little impact if you go through that speech. I don't know what he's talking about there. I know that he brought his sugar bugger a box of chocolates because the year before he bought her a box of chocolates. And he said, I'd be willing to pay more for it because when she sees that same box, she knows our love her the same way or something like that. Me personally, I'm not a big fan of these candies. I don't like gambling when it comes to treats that go into my mouth. Is this one going to be cherry, cherry liqueur, or is it going to be almond nut toffee? Or is it going to be empty? The ultimate gag on Rob Black. Or is it going to be the one? I want the Milky Way one. Again, not the Three Musketeers one, but the Milky Way one. Are you with me or against me? So, these candies, t- tying emotional value to stuff. I talk regularly about technology, and like I grew up playing video games. I'm I'm fine with video games. I'm emotionally good with that. But that, you're not seeing my point. I want to play video games for the next 20 years. I want to play video games in my retirement because I haven't been able to in my 30s, 40s, 50s. So, getting back to that would be kind of nice. The emotional value that I'm tying it is probably worth a little bit. To something like companies like Electronic Arts, like Activision. I recently went back to Virginia and grabbed some of my childhood electronics, and I had like um, Mattel football, which if you go look it up, it's a handheld. It had three buttons on it: up, down, and forward, back, up, down, forward, back. And you had these little red lights that you move around. And nostalgically speaking, I wouldn't pay twenty bucks for it today because I'm a little bit smarter than that. But I, I saw it for ten; I'd pay ten. Luckily, I still had it in the original box, and it still worked. Yes, I had original box stuff. That's the kind of man I am. So that's Warren Buffett's lesson on a company that can raise prices on a regular basis. Who else can do that, can you think of? I'll give you one who did it this week. Disney. Disney cracked the $200 a ticket because of feeding on your nostalgia when I, back in 1968, 1972, my, I was da- three and my daddy took me to Disneyland and I remember it forever. And then he died in a car crash late in life. Oh, I take my kids to Disneyland. The emotional value of, of your childhood. Disney's uh, milking. How about all the Star Wars movies that I saw as a kid? I want my kids to see them. A friend of mine asked me the other day, he said, is my kid old enough to see the Star Wars movies? I'm like, you're asking the wrong person. You need to ask your wife, because that's the one you're going to need to be okay with. Anyway, I was like, and the heart strikes back was pretty creepy. Luke cuts open that tauntaun, and its guts come out, and he sleeps in it or something like that. Sorry, spoiler alert. Movie's 40 years old. Don't get mad at me. But listen to this. This is that zooby zoobie, zoo, ooh-la-la kind of stuff. A quarter of Americans admit to having an office romance. And one in four dated their boss. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that in the hashtag MeToo movement world. More than a quarter, 27% of U.S. employees have had a workplace romance with a colleague. Is that a good idea? Is that a bad idea? I'm not going to make any comments here. Of those who had an office fling, 27% said it was their, their boss or higher up. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yes, because there's movies all about it. Twenty percent said the relationship was with a subordinate or someone lower in their organization. I'm not sure how twenty-seven percent could say it's someone higher, and twenty percent could say it's someone lower, but it's all good. Just over half said the workplace dalliance was with a coworker, thrown level. Ah, uh, to be young. So when you're 20s and 30s and you're working with 20s and 30s, you look around and you see people who kind of look like you. But when you're 40s and 50s, you look around and you're like, hmm, I wish I could work at a younger firm. Employers simply can't forbid the reality of a romance. That's the issue. You can't stop people from loving each other, right? But I'm not going to get into this content any further because I don't want to get suspended. A quarter of U.S. workers have a so-called work spouse. Oh, I did it. I went further. Okay, let's let's figure this out. A work spouse. Okay. And of those, half of them have romantic feelings towards them. So let's just say you keep, stay in your house. There's a bubble. Stay there. Let's talk prenups. I'm not against prenups. I'm not against post-nups. I'm against people not talking to each other. And I'm not, I'm not into a prenup setting up to hurt your spouse in case you break up. I'm not into that. But I think, for instance, um, I always bring back this story about Juliet. was that she was a classic girlfriend of mine, college girlfriend, kind of learning to adult time of my life, starting my business kind of time of my life. So she's good content to draw from. Um, she had us. We had CDs. I probably walked into the relationship with a hundred CDs. She probably walked into the relationship with thirty. Then suddenly they're commingled. Then suddenly when we break up, she's like, "Well, I'm pretty sure that's mine." I'm like, "No, no, no. I could tell you. I was in Washington D.C. I bought at Tower Records, seventh floor. It was February of 2001. I know exactly where it was." She goes, "I'm pretty sure it was mine." I'm like, "Take it." But that's kind of like the pre I should have said, this is the stuff that's important to me. Let's write it down. This is the stuff that's important to you and write it down. My mom, when she was three and her sister was five, her father was in World War II and he dies. So my grandmother had to go to work in a parachute factory. And my sister, oh, not my sister, my mom and her sister would cook. And then literally cook on stools and stuff like that. But one of the things she was cooking with was a, um, a, a coal pan. Is it coal? Um, charcoal? Beautiful pan. Beautiful, beautiful. And it's been in my family all that time. So anytime I get in a relationship, I go, this is my pan. If you take it from me, if, if for some reason we split up and you take it, I will kill you. I will hunt you down and kill you. It's the only thing that means anything to me. Rob Black is joking, he will not kill you. Rob Black has never joked, killed anyone. Rob Black has never spent a night in prison. Jail, maybe. Prison, not so much. So prenups aren't a bad thing. And I think you don't want to do it the week of the marriage. You want to do it a year before you get married. And like, for instance, if your granddaddy gave you you a $25,000 inheritance, if that's important to you that you don't commingle it, then don't commingle it. Keep your name on it, not his name, and vice versa. But it should be, if you can't talk about money and do a prenup and say, Hey, um, I know a guy who has a white Porsche. He's the biggest douche on the planet. He's the biggest douche on the planet. He's the biggest fool on the planet. He has a white Porsche that doesn't even run. He blew the engine. It sits in the garage. He doesn't want to do anything with it because he doesn't have money to do anything with it. But he loves that white Porsche. He needs to put in a prenup. If you dump me because I'm a loser with a white Porsche, that, that white Porsche is mine. Kind of thing. Does that make any sense? It doesn't have to be cash. And some states are pretty smart about it. They, you know, they it's fifty fifty everything, no matter what you say. Anyhow, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Do you remember being back in seventh grade, eighth grade, and one of your friends was in drama? And they're like, can you come to the play this weekend? We're doing a new play. And that's that's both my voice of my female friend in seventh grade and my male friend in seventh grade, so it's an androgynous story. I'm like, what's the play about? It's Fiddler on the Roof. And I'm like, let me ask my mom if she could drop me off. So I'd ask mom, and she'd okay, I'll drive you off. I'd get to Woodson High School. I didn't get to Woodson High School. That's a made-up high school. It's fictional in case people are tracking me down, trying to, hunt me, try to make me the most interesting man in the world. Um, but I saw Matchmaker, a Fiddler on the Roof, 7th grade. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Now we have Tinder. So things have changed, huh? Instead of a person with a book, it's swipe left, swipe right. CFP Chad Burton here to talk about Valentine's Day. I think it's CFP Chad Burton. I did not know he yeah, was calling me? in.
1: Well, yeah, you were talking about all the the prenup and you know all the all the non love stuff on Valentine's Day, right? Sure. I thought I'd chime in with you. Okay. Just having this conversation with a client yesterday, because you were talking about how you keep things separate, right? You inherit money. You can keep things separate. And as long as you can cl- clearly keep those accounts separate, if something happens in a divorce, those should be yours, right? They should be, you shouldn't be part of the community property asset that's split in half if something happens to the marriage. Again, the important
0: thing with the best intent, because I think Hollywood ruined it. Hollywood always made it like you 'll get nothing in the divorce
1: right Does that make, do you know where I'm going out with that Well, yeah, and in states like Washington and California, you know people want to fight and scream and show emails and text messages and everything else. The judges really don't care about your drama; they just want to look at a financial. Um, you know, document and be able to split things in half <laughs> essentially is what happens, so you know keep the drama out of it, keep the kids out of it if something bad happens um, and unfortunately, what is it fifty five percent of the time something bad does happen and then a second or third marriage the the rates are even higher um, so the idea that when you inherit money and there's i mean there 's we have ten thousand baby boomers turning sixty five every day, so there 's trillions of dollars passing from these smarter better savers that lived through the depression era yeah. to baby boomers and so there's a lot of money being inherited right now and when you do keep it separate property there's proper ways to do that but there's also some drawbacks okay. for example if, if you do it a certain way california is a great place to die it's a it's a really tough place to try to earn money because of the taxes are so high yeah. but there's no state inheritance tax and if you're a married couple when the first person dies, all of your assets, your stocks, your real estate, uh, anything outside of a retirement account essentially gets a step up in basis. So the surviving spouse could turn around and sell everything the next day without paying any capital gains on anything. So it's like that in, say, California and Washington, community property states. So one of the drawbacks of keeping property separate is that if it grows and grows over time, and you do stay married and that spouse passes away, you're not going to necessarily get that step-up in basis. So, there is some tax drawbacks for separating assets like that. And the thing is, is that you keep it in a separate account, but once you get married, you don't ever want to fund that account with any money that you are earning while you are married. So it's kind of like, okay, you've, you've, you set that account aside, you don't fund it, you can draw on it if you want to. But if you want to continue to save more, then open a different account, a different taxable account. And the best way to do this in the state of California, Rob, is to have a living trust and clearly identify separate property so it still can be owned by your your living trust just identified with titling and with a schedule in your living trust that it is clearly separate property and you've agreed together that it's separate property
0: what do you do if your spouse you're about to get married you're in love and uh, one spouse pulls out a gun holds it against the others and says sign this prenup
1: <laughs> Anything like that under duress never holds up in court. So the I mean if you're if you're trying to present a prenup within, you know, months of getting married, yeah. it, it's just not gonna work. It's it's under duress and so um you wanna make sure that you if it's gonna happen that it's done and, and negotiated early on, each side has a very good attorney that specializes in that type of family law. And there's a lot of back and forth, and a clear track record of this was presented well prior to the date of marriage, and uh, and each side was properly represented, and there was no you know duress involved. I guess you could say. I don't know if that's the proper term, because I'm not an attorney, but but uh, you get what I'm saying. You play one on TV, Chad Burton, yeah. lawyer at large, <laughs> and a
0: doctor sometimes. I've heard your doctor. I've heard your health doctor too. So yeah, yeah. Chad Burton, medical fun. director, MD. I like that. Anyhow, um, anything else? that
1: we talk about, love? I was, I was named after a doctor on, I think it was a gen, General Hospital or something like that. There was a Chad Everett. <laughs> My mom. Somebody on a soap opera that played a doctor.
0: Oh, I'm going to have a joke that's not going to be safe for radio about Chad Everett and your, mo- <laughs> and your mother and baby Chad. Uh, the show might end. Don't do it. I won't do it. Thanks for joining me, Chad. Thanks, Rob. Hit CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at New Focus financial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com, And he and I are in a relationship and we're talking about love relationships. It's Valentine's day. And sometimes they're love relationships. Sometimes they're not. I think I once learned small groups are meant to fail. And I think that's one of the reasons like the Beatles were eventually going to burn out small group dynamics. Bands aren't meant to you know last forever and ever and ever. Um, the, <laughs> the movie where the kids are stuck on the side of the mountain alive small group dynamics are super important and in a relationship you your girlfriend you your spouse you your it's the small group dynamics and being able to talk about money is super healthy it should be but i get that it's not because i've been there too i used to do my checkbook (laughs) i used to balance my checkbook on the back of my checkbook and she's like what are you doing and like her mom and dad used like a ledger I'm oh, like, yeah, I'm good, kind of thing. I know you're saying, who, who balances checkbooks? But the culture shock sometimes of money starts there. So get into the ability to talk about money. I mean, you're going to talk about spending the rest of your life with them. You're going to talk about, like, how do you want to raise children? Do you want to raise them Jewish or Catholic? Do you want to raise them, like, uh, in schools or no schools? Learn to talk about money without getting upset about it. I'm Rob Black at CFP, Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. Happy Valentine's Day.